Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. Two weeks ago, our co-host, Alex Ashkin, began a conversation with Jeremy Gottwalls. A force of nature as a youngster, Gottwalls became known around town as a performer, a creator, an idea person. He was destined for bigger arenas, so he moved to Cincinnati and founded Holon Publishing and Geronimo, a comprehensive marketing firm. Now, if you missed part one, go to WFHB.org for our entire archive. And while you're there, please help us continue to bring you conversations with Bloomington's most fascinating people by clicking on the easy, safe, and secure donate button. We depend on you to keep us going. We hope we're part of your day every day, and we hope you'll make that move. You'll click on that big red donate button or call us at 812-323-1200 and contribute. If you love Bloomington and if you love WFHB, it's the thing to do. That's WFHB.org or 812-323-1200. Now let's pick up with Alex Ashkin and Jeremy Gottwalls talking about the inspiration behind the company name Geronimo. This is Big Talk. Geronimo was one of our more conventional ideas. For so long, I had been so unconventional. I really had to put my foot in a more conventional stream in order to grow. Um, what we are today is something so incredible. We, we've built, we're really a tech company today. We're a tech company and we're a dynamic media company. I, I said 10 years ago, I want to build the media company of the future. Well, here we are. It's the future. And we are that. We were just quoted uh, in an article as one of the top 21 most innovative marketing agencies in the world. We were listed wow. next to VaynerMedia and Deloitte by Influensive and a, a host of other agencies. Actually, there's about five or six agencies on that list who are our partners who are all about similar size to us in terms of revenue, that is. And I don't know how big their teams are. and But we're more than a marketing agency. I don't even like that word marketing. Everything you talked about, branding, logo design, web design, social media marketing, that was the beginning. I was just saying to my team on Zoom yesterday, we don't provide services. We provide systems. We provide frameworks. And that's really that was really the big learning that that this in the past year and a half, actually, you know, the last couple of years that really just changed everything was like, no, we're not order takers. We're not just here providing a service. Like, Hey, yeah, we're going to help you publish your book. Like we're going to help you write your book. We're going to help you build your PR. No, we're, we're actually providing frameworks. We're providing systems and who, who we provide systems for our, our businesses. Um, and we also provide systems for leaders. And, and then creatives as well. Right now, we're hyper-focusing on business leaders. We, we've done a lot for creative authors as well. We have mm -hmm. poets who have done very, very well. We had a poet actually make a considerable amount of money during the pandemic on his book. Wow. We've got creative authors who are doing very, very well in our community. And we, we have a whole plan to innovate for the creative authors. When I say creative authors, I mean anyone who's doing any kind of, doesn't have to be fiction, but any kind of book that isn't necessarily for business purposes. Mm -hmm. um, like even a memoir could qualify under that. We, we have a whole world of things we're doing tech-wise tech in, in, in ways which we're innovating for that niche. It's the business leaders 
CEOs were working and not just CEOs, but coaches, people who want to do TED Talks, we're helping them to not just write books, we're helping them write their books and not just through traditional ghostwriting. Yes, we do that as well. But we have developed an innovative system of interviewing. We interview people, we record those interviews, we turn their thoughts and ideas into books. We are their book Sherpas, like their book shaman. Mm -hmm. We pull their books out of their head. And we turn their ideas into books, but not just books. In the digital age, we're doing audiobooks. We're doing video books or mm-hmm. video docuseries. We're helping them develop courses, information technology, coaching programs. The, the new wave of media is interactive. The future of media is interactive. Absolutely. And so we're helping them build interactive media for whatever it is they want to teach. We've got doctors. We've got attorneys. We've got business owners. It's really going way beyond the book. It's creating experiences around the book and the information mm-hmm. in the book. We've got a doctor, for instance, she's an OBGYN. We're helping her develop her telemedicine business. But in addition to helping her develop her telemedicine business, we're also helping her write and publish her book on adoption. Her name's Dr. Regina Ray. She had a whole interesting uh, experience with adoption. And so she's starting a consultancy to help families who want to adopt. It goes back to what I was saying earlier, sharing beautiful wisdom, sharing beautiful stories. I, 10 years ago, I wanted to do it. 10 years ago, it was a dream. And now I can say, and other people will say it too. I, I can say it without ego because our clients say it, our community say it, and people who, who haven't even done business with us can say it. We've developed a truly innovative storytelling and dynamic media company And the impact, the impact Mm -hmm. is so special because every single client that we work with, we get to help them change the world in their own way, in their own niche, Um, whether it's with entrepreneurs or whether it's with people who want to adopt or whether it's people who are overcoming their own unique challenges, people overcoming divorce, people overcoming addiction, people overcoming abuse. That's the beautiful thing about being a storytelling company is that we get to work with leaders who are sharing their stories to help people in different ways, to help businesses in different ways. And and then the cool thing is that if you're a CEO and you work with us and we help you write your book, we help you tell your story, we help you coach and lead, we help you do the TED Talks, we get you in Forbes. And then the beautiful thing is we get to help your business grow. So like I said earlier, we don't provide services anymore. We provide systems. 10 years ago, I said, all right, mm-hmm. social media, the digital age is going to completely change marketing. And, and we've got the gig economy. We, we were actually pioneers of the gig economy as well. I, I was embraced the gig economy in, 20, in 2011 before the, the term existed, in, at mm-hmm. least in the Midwest. So now what we're pioneering is this whole new age of information media and this whole new age of how technology and experiences work hand in hand. And so what we're doing now is when I say that, you know, sort of we provide systems, marketing is almost an obsolete uh, because we are helping businesses, not just their marketing, 
but we're helping them craft their offers, helping them craft their identity, helping them craft their strategy, helping them understand their target audience, helping them reach that target audience, and then helping them drive revenue and growth. And so we are we are becoming an essential business partner to businesses as well as authors and thought leaders. And that's where kind of the Geronimo Hall on play comes into play. But what's really, really cool, one of the things I've always been really focused on is developing powerful relationships and strategic partnerships with other companies, with other entrepreneurs, with nonprofits, with, you know, creatives, with communities. And so um, what we're doing, we're developing some really powerful relationships, which are bringing us into even more categories. So for instance, we're working with a production company on a very, very special project and it's one of our biggest campaigns yet. And it's one of our most successful campaigns so far. It's going to allow us to kind of re- also return to my roots in the entertainment space. It's essentially a, a project that is calling upon all of our skills, the entire comp- both Geronimo and Holland, all of the talent we've pulled together. It's, it's a project that is allowing us to really push ourselves into entertainment media in a whole new way. And it's just so interesting because like the, the vision that I had 10 years ago is, is now blossoming and we're getting into film and television again. We're getting into entertainment media and, uh, and, and I always knew, I always knew that it was going to have this direct tie to publishing and because stories, that's the, that's the inception of everything. Every book, every movie you've ever watched, every show you've ever watched, every game you've ever played, someone wrote that. Yep. Someone wrote that story. It may not have started as a book, but it started as a story that someone wrote down. Now through interviewing and through, through leveraging technology we're and building media engines, building systems of media, we've found ways to help people who aren't even writers tell their stories. Because, because writing is a very specific skill and discipline. Some people don't even have the ability to write because of their disabilities. But imagine now we're giving a voice to those people. We're, we're giving a voice to those people who don't even have the ability to write. Maybe, maybe their dyslexia or their unique challenges. Maybe they just don't have time. So now we're empowering those people with the ability to tell their story in a way that doesn't compromise their voice. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. their story. It sounds like you're using Hellenic thinking to take me- or media <laughs> marketing from a sort of isolated system and really look at a much more holistic sense of not just business operations and new business development, but creating that modern identity that places like Forbes and Wall Street Journal and Harvard Business Review, all these even big institutions are saying is really what's defining (coughs) businesses in the 21st century what are the values you embody? How do you portray that narrative and what makes you unique within your industry? Exactly. Was there ever a particular client or project early on in this whole business development process that really either challenged you or gave you a new sense of perspective where you said, wow, the way this person, the way this company approaches things is unique. I I have learned through this experience and I want to implement something new, something more so that you can continue to grow. 
Oh, so many, so many every, every day. That's one of the things I really love about this work mm-hmm. is that there's always a new challenge and there's always new problem solve. And now I've got a team of problem solvers. Every member of my team is a critical thinker and a problem solver. Every member of my team is, is learning how to solve problems on these much higher levels. It's, it's really quite magical to witness because in a lot of companies, you know, people are order takers. They come in and they just follow orders. And it's not the company we have. I, I don't even treat my team like employees. Um, I treat our employees like like they're integral part of the process. I, you know, and I truly care about their dreams and, and show them that. But what you, to, to your question though, not, not to get away from your question, gosh, uh, it just, just depends on where you want to zoom in. Every single client, and every single project we've ever done and every single campaign we've ever done has taught us something. Let's go back to the beginning. I, in the early years, I didn't understand the value of what we were providing. Mm-hmm. And so we charged astronomically less than what it was worth. We're still charging less than what our work is worth, but we've since have become much higher ticket. But at the time it was truly, at, we were providing high ticket value for astronomically lower cost because I had been a starving artist. So keep, mm-hmm. keep in mind, I had been a broke, a true starving artist, like a true, like there was a point when I was 20 years old where I, I had like $30 a week that I was living on. So I had come from a total starving artist kind of mindset when it came to money and that had to change. But in the early years of business, I thought, oh yeah, a few grand is like a lot of money. Like when I was yeah. 22, <laughs> A few grand felt like a fortune. So if someone was going to pay me $1,500, $3,000, $5,000 or something, that could sustain me. And at the time I was 22. So I was all in, even though I had contractors, even though I had the, the beginnings of a team, I was very hands-on. Businesses where the owner operators are operators and their hand, the founders are hand, completely hands-on with fulfillment they never scale. And it took me forever to learn that because I'm, I'm an artist. I'm a creative, I'm a technician. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted our work to be a representation of the art. And a lot of the clients who hired us, they hired us for my enthusiasm. They hired us for my creativity. They hired us for my unique skills and talents. And, but I was charging astronomically less than I should have been. And that's a big thing that I want to pass on the creatives. We, we live in the creator economy today, a, a new creator economy. And I feel so blessed and fortunate to have been 10 years ahead of that and to now be able to tell and show creators how to make meaningful livelihoods with their craft. But 10 years ago, I didn't understand the value structure. So, so you asked me what clients or projects really stuck out. Well, it's, there's so many, but I'll tell you the early days, learning how to do a lot with almost nothing completely changed the way I do business today. Learning how to take a very small amount of money and stretch it like light years has been able to allow me as an entrepreneur to succeed. I have surpassed now businesses, people, entrepreneurs who had more money, who had more skills, more talent, more connections, more, who were more qualified in every sense of the word. I have survived and now surpassed entrepreneurs who on paper had more than I had. 
because of my unique ability to be dynamic, to be like Geronimo and, and be persistent and not surrender, to, to say, you know what, I'm going to make this work. I don't know how I'm going to make this work, but I'm going to make this work. And that's my mantra. Every single day with my team, every single day with my team, we talk about problems that are very difficult. It's constant chess. It's constant algebra. And we're like, how do we solve this problem? And every single day, I'm like, we're going to make it work. I don't know yet, but we're going to make it work. If I don't know the answer, I say to my team, we're going to find the answer. We're going to make it work. And that's always been my mantra. And my late mother was the same way. She always made it work. And um, not always. And there's sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you, it blows up in your face. And that's life. That's entrepreneurship. That's being a scientist. That's being an artist. Be, being, an, being an entrepreneur is one part scientist and one part artist. And people don't realize that. People see people like Jeff Bezos and, you know, you say what you will about Jeff Bezos. And yes, of course, he could be doing so much more to help the world. Yes, of course. But like he, he solved some big problems, you know, yeah. crazy, crazy stuff. You know, it, it's, it's art. It's, it's crazy to be able to do that. It's super, it's superhuman. So, you know, going back to those early days, learning how to take almost nothing and turn it into something incredible. Uh, more specifically, uh, in the early years, we uh, found a new way to help some authors launch their projects and fund their projects. We, we've helped authors raise a bunch of money, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars for their campaigns, for their endeavors. We've helped businesses and startups raise a lot of money for their endeavors um, in unique ways. We were pioneers of crowdfunding. I saw that trend for what it was in the early years. And I said, you know what, this is going to be a powerful way for creators to, to fund things. But I think even crowdfunding has its limits. And so we learned that pretty quickly. We learned that early on. Um, we were also... Uh, another big campaign that still sticks out that we still talk about all the time. You know, you talk about how I opened for the Dalai Lama. Not only that, but, uh, you know, I was very active at Wilmington's Tibetan Mongolian Buddhist Cultural Center, but we got to lead the Dalai Lama's PR and media and social media for his visit to Louisville in 2013. So me and the Holon team, the Holon team and I, we managed all the social media for his visit to Louisville in 2013. We managed all the ads I mean, and, and every day, you know, every day we're learning new things, you know, and exploring new, new challenges. Um, in 2017 and 18, we worked with a startup called Jubilant, which is, uh, we helped them raise six figures of seed money and we helped them get featured at South by Southwest and some other things. We didn't end up continuing our relationship with them, but, but it was like a really cool opportunity to make some really big waves. You know, some, some of our bigger names weren't necessarily some of our more challenging projects. And then right now, the, Nothing, though, quite beats the projects we're working on today. The, the projects we're working on today are the biggest paying projects we've ever worked on and also the biggest impact projects we've ever worked on and are also the also come with the most, you know, u- unique challenges and unique problems. But the cool thing is that now my whole team is helping solve those problems. And 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 it's really amazing. Being at that bootstrap mindset and really having to make things work originally on the shoestring budget served as a catalyst to help you solidify your identity as somebody who is a problem solver, will make it work. And also 
a bigger than life sense of positivity that comes from your leadership. You've always made people feel very welcomed and involved and appreciated. And at the end of the day, you're sort of using your trademark optimism to keep employees, keep clients in good spirits, feeling inspired. That whole belief of providing a system, a platform for creators to do great things. COVID, as we all know, had really kind of changed all of our lives. Despite you having a job that allows you to do a lot of work digitally, I know that you hosted events and worked with different event organizers and venue managers and so on to get people book publishing events, you know, having uh, signings. What was the challenges that sort of approached you when we kind of got into the space of, okay, we're not able to do physical events like we used to. We're not able to take the conventional approach anymore to a lot of our operations. How did you sort of pivot? How did you change and uh, adapt for COVID? COVID was one of the single most important events in my entrepreneurial journey. It was almost as if everything that I had done for the nine years prior trained me for that. Because again, like I said, I was, a, I was doing, I was embracing the gig economy in remote work 10 years before COVID. You know, I was embracing remote teams 10 years before COVID. I, I called it, I said, this is the future. Remote work, remote teams is the future. And a lot of people, to a lot of people, that was common sense. To mm-hmm. a lot of people, they're like, yeah, of course it is. But to, to more than half of the population, of the, in the business world, no, they, they didn't embrace it. They, they said, okay, yeah, whatever. When I talked to businesses about being digital, they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. They're like, it's a luxury. They're like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's not my focus right now. And that's and that was in the early 20 teens. I said to businesses, you got to embrace digital. This is the future. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're a kid, whatever. And so when COVID came around, it was like, yes. Like it was, it was almost like the universe saying, here, here it is. You were right. But at the same time, like, no, to be very transparent, before COVID, I was really struggling. We had lots of wins. We had lots of good years. But like many creative services businesses, we struggled. Before COVID, we were were just a creative services business trying to be something more. Right before COVID, I had hired our director of operations, Kat Valeria, who's located in Texas. And the year before COVID, I had said, all right, we need to build systems for scale. We need to learn how to replace Jeremy as the operator. We need to learn how to replace my, for me. If this company can't run without me, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So that every, every company that wants to grow has to solve that problem. How do you exist with or without the founder being behind the wheel all the time? So a year before COVID, I set the task to really figuring that out. I hired a director of operations. We started to, we started to develop and find, discover new systems and piece by piece. And then, and then around the same time, we hired Grace, who's our, our publishing manager. It was Grace and Kat in the beginning, well, in the beginning of that big shift who were really integral through taking us through COVID. When COVID hit, 
we were still struggling to get enough revenue to build a team. The revenue that we were generating before COVID transparently was enough for me to make a good living at times, but it was feast or famine. It was like, okay, a good month in those years and those days would be one where I had to decide, okay, am I going to live well this month? Where am I going to invest some of that money in growth? And so I ha- it was like very difficult to figure that out. And it was very difficult to hire people like Kat, who had 10 years with Fidelity Investments, who could be going and making six figures and more stably somewhere else at the time. At the time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. right before COVID, I learned I have to, the gig economy made us, the gig economy has fueled us. The gig economy made me the entrepreneur I am. However, now I have to build an actual company. Now I have to build an actual team. Now I have to find a way to have salaried employees. And to have salaried employees, you have to have consistent revenue or you investors. And I, But the consistent revenue is way more important than investors. Screw investors, go after the consistent revenue. And I knew that. But there were people who had way more money than me who failed because they failed to solve a very simple problem, consistent revenue. So I knew that before COVID. And then when COVID hit, we were at the precipice of, of some of the biggest deals for the time. We, had a, we were in conversations with Mercy Health. We were talking to some, uh, someone about developing an app. We, we hadn't niched down. And so you know we would have these really big deals in these really big months followed by droughts. And so then COVID hit and I said to my team, we, we got to find a way. And we crunched the numbers and it was like, Wow, we need to, you know, yeah, okay, just because we sign a five tick, five figure, even a six figure deal every once in a while, isn't going to be enough to build a team. We had to figure out how to collect five and six figures on a monthly basis. And so I said in March of 2019 or 2020, I mean, during the heat of it all, I said to Kat and I said to Grace, I was like, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to figure this out. And you two are going to be, integral to that. And we're going to, we're going to make it. And they, they were all in, they were all in more than anyone who had worked for the company yet up to that point. And so I said, ride this way with me in a year from now, we will have a completely different company. And that premonition came true. We fought and we struggled, but in the fall of last year and a big, I'll tell you one of the biggest things that helped us though, it, it remarkably stupid, simple in October, of last year, we found an amazing coaching program from agencies that had made it, from agencies that had figured out how to make quarter million and up a month. So we discovered a, a program that allowed us to train like you would in a gym and study like you would in a school and receive live coaching in an interactive way with people who had done it, people who were younger than me and who had done it in less time than I had, people who had built teams providing we actually acquired the systems from agencies who had managed $100 million of advertising. And that allowed us to propel in a very short amount of time, to scale in a very short amount of time. We've more than 10x our, our monthly revenue, or, and thus our annual revenue, and we're continuing wow. to grow exponentially. We've grown more in the last year than we had grown in five. You know, we, And we, we produce more revenue now in a month than we used to produce in a year. Jeremy Gottwalls, if there is one thing that describes you, it is positivity. Thank you so much for joining us on Big Talk. Thanks, Alex. You're beautiful. You rock. You're an awesome human. 